Let's turn our Bibles to Ephesians chapter Ephesians chapter 4 verses 25 through 27 is what we're going to look at this morning. So turn over in your Bibles there. It's in the New Testament and uh, kind of towards the back there. If you're kind of new to your Bible, don't feel bad. A lot of us here are. And so uh, just jump right in there and try to find it there in your contents page and turn right over at the book of Ephesians chapter 4 verses 25 through 27. I remember very clearly at the age of 17 years old realizing that I needed to follow Jesus Christ. And not only realizing that, but wanting to follow Him. See, I was fortunate when I was 12 years old, somebody had shared with me the good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ died on the cross. He paid for my sins. He, he, he paid the penalty on my behalf. He rose again and He offers me that same transforming life. Somebody shared that with me when I was 12 years of age. I received Jesus as my Savior. But in the years between 12 and 17, I had gotten far away from God. Far away from God. As I began to finish up high school and look ahead, God began to call me back to Himself. God began to speak to me about getting my life straight with Him. But I also remember that as sincerely as I wanted to do that, I remember, now hear me, I remember not having a clue what that would look like. And I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, you know I love you. You know I want to walk with you, but I just don't know how. I don't know what that would look like. I'm learning some more now that I'm back in church and now that I'm, I'm in a church that teaches God's Word. I'm learning some things about the Bible, but I just don't know how to live that out. Well, that's why we're turning to Ephesians 4 this morning because we've been studying through the book of Ephesians. And last time we were in Ephesians, we looked at verses 17 through 24 and God challenged us to walk the walk. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, if I'm a Christian, the Lord says, my life has been changed. And sometimes that shows up in big ways. Sometimes it shows up little by little. But either way, if I have been saved, if I've become a child of God, that will begin to show up in my life. Amen? I will begin to live out whatever that means. And and that's where part of the struggle is. I'll begin to live out a walk with Jesus Christ. Now again, I want to make some distinction. And I try to make this clear to you as we talk about those kind of challenges. It's not that I live a good life, then that makes me a Christian. It's that I become a Christian, then that affects the way I live. Do you see the distinction? It is a huge distinction. Becoming a Christian and acting like one is all about grace. We need God for the whole thing, don't we? I mean, Galatians chapter 3, verse 3 says, Having begun by the Spirit, are you not going to be completed or finished up by your own workings, by the flesh? The Bible says the only hope we have is to trust in Jesus Christ, to trust Him to save us and to wash our sins away, and then to help us to walk every day with Him. The way Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 24 put it, though, living my life in Jesus Christ, walking with Him, is like taking off old, dirty clothes and putting on new, clean ones. We talked about this during the offering time. Just now we said, the Bible says here in, uh, in, in verse, 20, uh, uh, verse 23, it says to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. There's that sense that we take off the old, we put on the new, and we're being renewed as God gives us our new clothes to wear. Now if you want to think about it that way, then uh, I want to bring you to the store today. And I want you to look at some of your new clothes. I want you to see some of the things that God says I ought to be wearing today. 
We're going to talk about learning to live your new life. And actually, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on verses 25 through 27, but actually there's a section here through verses 32, and so we're actually going to talk about some of it today, and we're going to finish up the rest of it next week. But let's look at Ephesians 4, verses 25 and 20 through 27. He says, Therefore, in light of the, the fact that the God is challenging you and I to walk with Him, to live for Him, He says, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, Speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Then in verse 26, he says, Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. And then in verse 27, he says, And do not give the devil an opportunity. We're talking about learning to live this new life. I have new life in Jesus Christ. How on earth, just like when I was 17 years old, you might be here this morning, you say, How on earth? Do I do that? Well, he tells you just flat out in verse 25. The first thing he says is to tell the truth. You want to know how to live for Jesus? Start telling the truth. Have you noticed something? Lying is in. It is very common. And though in principle, we we know in our heads that it's not right to lie, right? We know that we're not supposed to tell stories. That's That's the way we euphemize it. We're not supposed to tell stories. We're not to make up things. We know that in principle, but actually in practice, lying is very acceptable and actually very expected for many people today, isn't it? I'll be watching cartoons with my kids. And, and otherwise, these are decent cartoons. And I noticed that the kids in the cartoons just have zero problems with lying to their parents or deceiving them in some way. It may not be a flat-out lie, but some way presenting something is true when it's not. Hello, what's that? That's a lie. What about at work? I want you to think about work, day-to-day, every day. How often do people lie? How often do people lie to their boss? How often do people lie to their coworkers about something? Let's talk about home. How many of us wouldn't like to think of ourselves as a liar, but the reality is we don't tell the truth, lie, right, on a consistent basis to our spouses? Let's just have the picture of a lady. She's bringing the kids home from soccer practice. She calls her husband. She says, honey, we're on our way home. Have you put the food on yet for supper? Well, thank the Lord for cordless phones, right? Because right in the middle of her asking, he's on his way to the kitchen. Oh, yeah, I got that started just a little while ago. We're all set, dear. He knows he's still got time to make it happen before she gets there, right? And in many ways, many of us think that's just a part of life. It's just a part of marriage. It's just a part of family. It's just a part of work, a part of school. People, even otherwise good people, people that you care about, people that you work side by side with, you just it's just the fact of life. People are going to lie to you. That's the way many people think the world is. In these verses, though, Paul says, this is something that we as followers of Jesus Christ must address in our lives. And you're going to see kind of a pattern that he follows in verses 25 through 32. He gives kind of a negative side, then he gives a positive command, and then he kind of gives some reasons why that's so important. And then you'll also notice that throughout all these, there's a kind of a common ingredient, and that's the ingredient of relationships. All of this revolves around relationships. In fact, much of the rest of Ephesians is going to be involved in God showing himself through us in the lives of other people, through relationships, our, our relationship with other people. Paul says, the negative part, he says, laying aside <clears throat> falsehood. The Greek word that's used there is the word pseudo 
Many of you recognize that, that term. It means something that is not what it seems to be. It's false. It's a lie. It's not real. It's not true. God's Word says that God's people are to lay aside that. We've got some old clothes on. I'm a liar. Now, you don't like to think of yourself as a liar, but that's the way I'm put together. And there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of motives behind that. But the fact is, I am born a liar. I would, I would probably be more likely to, to lie than to tell the truth because I want to get out of things, don't I? I don't, want, I don't want people to know the truth many times. And that's my old clothes. And God's Word says to lay that aside. And actually, the way it's put here, and God says you should have already laid that aside. When you accepted Christ as your Savior... You took off that old way of doing things and now you've put on some new clothes. Well, now let me present to you the new clothes. Here's the positive command. He says, okay, uh, laying aside falsehood, here's the positive. Speak truth. Tell the truth. The devil is a liar. John chapter 8, verse 44 tells us that the devil is the father of lies. Whenever I lie... I am acting more like a child of the devil than a child of God. Whoa! That's fighting words, Robbie. Don't call me a child of the devil. I'm just telling you what I look like. I said me, right? But that goes for you too. Whenever we lie, we're looking more like the enemy than we are our Savior. God's about truth. God's about reality. God's not about deception. God's not about misrepresenting things, pretending or faking. In fact, I have to warn you a little bit. I know we all have different areas that we struggle with. And maybe for some of us, maybe our particular bent is, I struggle with telling the truth. I struggle with, with always you know, being forthright or, or to say things the way that is accurate. But I've got to warn you. The Bible says in Revelation verse, chapter 21, verse 27, and actually there's a couple of verses there. I'll just read um, verse 27. It says, it's talking about heaven. It says, and nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Do you see what's, what's, what God is saying there? Liars don't go to heaven. Now, but Riley, I'm a Christian. I struggle with lying. Yeah, the Bible says that you know, we're going to struggle with things sometimes, but if I'm okay, if I'm comfortable with lying, and if I, if, I, if, if, I'm, if I can live like that, if I can practice that, it's very possible that I have never been put in the Lamb's book of life. It's possible that I've never met God personally and that I'm in danger of judgment. Wow! That's pretty big, isn't it? If I enjoy lying, if I'm good at it, if I'd be known for it, I need to think about that, to say the least. And the reason here he says it's so important, he says we are members of one another. Now specifically here, he's talking about God's people. Remember, we've been talking about that membership idea. It just means parts, parts of a body. That's what the word members is talking about. We are parts of a body. The body. Whose body? Jesus', Jesus body, right? We are the body of Christ. And as followers of Christ, we're closely connected to one another. I mean, if you have one part of your body sending false information to the other, then that body's not going to work, is it? You're going to go to the doctor. You're going to get a checkup. You're going to say something's not working right. The Bible is teaching us, friends, that we need truth. We need reality in our dealings with one another. As brothers and sisters in the family of God, that's the way we need to deal with each other. And in fact, in any relationship, my dad told me a long time ago, we need to be able to tell each other the truth. If you're going to lie to me, it's going to be very hard for us to have any kind of relationship. And I think he was right. 
That's the point. A relationship, any relationship, must be built on truth. It cannot make it on lies. God's people in relationship with Him and in relationship with other, with other people must live as truth-tellers. Number two, though, he says, watch your anger. In verse 26, he says, be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And I want you to, to pay attention to the things that we're going to walk through here. I think that God knows... And obviously God knows, but I think that He's purposefully giving us some key areas that many of us are going to struggle with. We're going to struggle with telling the truth. We're going to struggle with anger. So God says, watch your anger. I find many people walking around today angry. Have you ever thought about what anger is? Anger is basically, things are not the way I wanted them to be, and I'm not happy about it. <laughs> That's what anger is. It's expressing that things are not the way I want them to be, and I'm not happy about that. And there are many people today who are very upset about things in their lives that did not turn out like they wanted. You know what? As we think about it that way, doesn't it make us say, you know what? It is easy to get angry, isn't it? Because our world is put together in such a way that there are many disappointments. There are many struggles. There are many things that we wish that, that could have happened or that would have happened or that, that might eventually happen and we've lost hope of her. And so we're angry. We're upset about those things. I want to ask you a question. Are you angry today? Does that describe you? And have you ever thought about that? What's going on in your heart? What is it that's, that's making you so angry? Well, there are several things that the Bible teaches us here about anger. One of them might surprise you. Really, I think what's drawn out of this is, first of all, all anger is not bad. All anger is not bad. It says, be angry and yet do not sin. He says, be angry and yet don't sin in your anger. That implies that it's possible to experience anger and not be sinning with it. In fact, the Bible teaches us that God is righteous, that God is holy, that, that He never does wrong, that He is sinless, but there are some things that God gets angry about. There are things that God gets upset about, and there are probably some things that we should get upset about. Amen? Now, I know some of us can be described as laid back, but there ought to be something in your life that would ruffle your feathers. I think about Jesus when He went to the temple. In Mark chapter 11, verses 15 through 18, Jesus went to the temple and the religious leaders had made God's house a joke to the people. That upsets God. When people come to, to a place where that's supposed to, to, to a people or to a place that's supposed to represent God and it's just one big joke, yeah, right, this is about God, that upsets God. Instead of being a place where people look to God, it was actually a place that was turning people away from God. And that upset him. I believe also God's Word would teach us that when someone who is weak, when someone who is innocent, when someone who is under our care like a child, when a person like that is being taken advantage of, that should stir you. That should motivate you. That should cause you to rise up in their defense. In fact, to not defend them, to not uh, be stirred about that, would actually communicate a lack of love, wouldn't it? Isn't that why many children, I believe, are angry today? Is because their parents are not giving them some sort of direction or some sort of help or support. And so it says, I don't love you. I don't care. So there's two good categories I just kind of offer to you to think about that there maybe are times when we should say, hey, that's not right. 
And I would say when God's way is blatantly ignored or rejected, we ought to be a little stirred about that. Or when someone innocent is harmed, especially someone who is under your watch or under your care. Those are some examples of times when we should be moved, maybe even angry. But these verses also teach us that we need to be careful about our anger. How many of us are more often than not in tune with God? (laughs) How many? Anybody here? 60% of the time, I'm with God. Anybody? I hope. (laughs) Uh, But but I'm not sticking my hand up. Right? Not very many. So when I get upset, when I get angry and stirred up, is it more likely that that's God or it's me? probably more likely my leaning is it's probably me many times many times I don't have God's motives and I don't have God's information do you understand that God's motives are always right he's always for the right things he's always against the right things I'm not so sure I can see that as clearly as him I can break that down and I'm not even sure I have the I know I don't have all the information he does Because of that, the book of James gives us a warning. James tells us in James 1, verses 19 through 20, it says, Everyone must be quick to hear. Listen, friends, great advice. Quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. We need to be very careful about getting angry. We need to be very cautious because if it, if it starts leaning over into my anger, it does not bring about the righteousness of God, does it? Anger, in fact, has a tendency to destroy or to do great harm. As a result of that, there's something else in these verses. He says, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. God says that anger is so dangerous that we need to deal with it very quickly. Now, most people would take these verses like this. Make sure that before the day is over, you and that other person make up. Well, I'll tell you, my granddad taught me this when I was little, and I've tried to live by this. And Shannon and I have tried to live by this in our family. We've tried to, okay, before we go to bed, before we go to sleep, if tomorrow never comes, if I don't wake up in the morning, I want you to be clear, I love you, I'm for you, things are right between me and you. That's a great way to live your life. I do believe that is an important part of this. Although I will say, there's been times at about 2 (laughs) o'clock, about 12.30 at night, y'all know I'm solar powered, not much productive is going to happen after about midnight, right? And so there's been times when we've had to just say, I love you, (laughs) and we're not together on this thing yet, but I want you to know without a doubt I'm for you. We'll take care of this thing, but I don't want there to be anything between me and you. I believe that's important. And it is a great way to live your life. The Bible says we should make reconciliation a big aim. In fact, not just reconciliation, but ASAP. In fact, even now, today, as quickly as possible. In a couple of verses you can go back and reference Matthew 5, verses 23 through 25, and Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. But actually, more specifically, this passage says... Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Certainly a big part of that is seeking reconciliation with another person, just like we've just talked about. But what I believe this is focusing on is your part, is your response. What is going on inside of you? The big principle is this. 
When we experience anger, we need to deal with that very quickly. Let's put it another way. We should not be comfortable with anger staying around very long. Even good anger. We should do whatever it takes to work through that stirring inside of us. Now again, it might be seeking out that person that you're upset with. Or it might mean praying. Or it might mean settling down in some way. Or it might mean getting some perspective or talking it out or whatever it's going to take. Crying out to God or talking to someone else. But what he's telling us here is anger, if allowed to linger, can really hurt our lives. Someone has said the day of anger should be the day of reconciliation. Isn't that a great point? The day of anger should be the day of reconciliation. Now, that's not always possible, but do you understand the emphasis? That is my goal. That is the way I'm thinking about things. The Bible says in Romans 12, verse 18, as much as it lies within me, I should live peaceably with all men. I should do everything on my part to work through or to to deal with or to resolve the anger. Because the real issue is this. Have you ever noticed this? I've noticed this, especially I talked about in, in Shannon and my relationship. I've noticed that it is much better for us to settle that before we go to sleep. Because you get up the next morning with that still in, in the mix, it changes things, doesn't it? It solidifies things. It, it, it makes it still there. It makes it worse. It, it starts getting tied up with all kinds of other things. It's much easier for that to keep going And as the Bible warns us in Hebrews 12, verse 15, it's easy for the root of bitterness to take root in our lives, and then that will destroy a lot of people. We've got to be careful about the same. We've got to watch that. It's not always wrong to be angry, but we've got to watch it. Because he says in verse 27, I want to kind of move on to another point with this. I believe probably what he says in verse 27 grammatically is talking about is in relationship to anger. But he says, anger can give the devil a foothold in our lives. Now again, I believe that's probably closely connected with anger. What he says in verse 27, he says, and do not give the devil an opportunity. But I believe this is so important of a principle that I want to deal with it separately. And so number three, I believe he teaches us, don't give the enemy any opportunities. Verse 27 says, and do not give the devil an opportunity. If you're a baby Christian... Or if you've been walking with Christ for many years, the things that we are learning are so important. And I think we all need to perk up and pay attention to this one. Let me ask you this question. I'm not giving you any list. I'm not saying any coulds, couldn'ts, should, shouldn'ts. I'm just asking you a question. Are there any places in your life where you are giving Satan, our adversary, a foot in the door? Now, I know what's happening right now. You are thinking about that other person, aren't you? Well, I sure know somebody who is, right? That's what I think of. When I'm thinking about sin, I'm always thinking about yours. (laughs) I'm not thinking about mine. (laughs) I'm not thinking about mine. Oh, no. Y'all don't laugh at me because y'all are the same way. You just didn't realize it until I just brought it up. So let's go back to the question again because the first time you were thinking about somebody else. I'm asking you, Are there any places in your life where you are giving the enemy a foot in the door? That word is translated an opportunity. It can be translated a foothold. It actually literally means a place. I think about the image of a rock climbing. 
You know, when you're rock climbing, you're just looking for a place, aren't you? You're just looking for something to get your foot on somewhere to be able to climb. But it doesn't take much, does it? When you're rock climbing, it just takes a little little crevice to be able to, okay, that's what I needed to keep going further. I think about another image, that foot in the door image. I want you to think about if there were somebody dangerous loose in your neighborhood, okay? Here you are, it's nighttime. You've heard the warnings. There's somebody on the loose. And somebody knocks on your door. If that happened, would you rather have one of those chain locks or would you rather have a padlock, a deadbolt? Which would you rather have? What can happen with a chain lock? With a chain lock, you peek open. Who is it? With a deadbolt, what do you do? Door's still closed. With a chain lock, what can happen? While you're peeking open, what can they do? They can get a foot in the door, can't they? And that's one step closer to getting in your house. Spiritually, in your life, in your walk with Christ, in the things that is happening day to day in your life, would you say that there are some things that you know are not from God that you have a chain lock on your door that is much closer to getting in than staying out. Do there need to be some deadbolts installed today? Are you, what am I saying? I'm saying in figurative language, are you flirting with sin? I hope that scares you to death this morning. The Bible just says flat out, and this is a principle that's helped me so much in my Christian wall. Do you ever, you ever just think, I wish I had a verse. I wish I just knew a verse that went with this. Well, I want to encourage you to learn the Bible enough to where you'll have a verse for everything, okay? That, that, that you know what God says about every area of your life, okay? I don't want to discourage you from doing that. But if you don't have a verse, go to this one. This is a good one. When in doubt, don't give the devil an opportunity. When you're, not, when you're, you're thinking, but does God, isn't that what the enemy said in, in, in Genesis 3? Did God really say you shouldn't do this? Don't we do that? When we're confronted with things that we know in our hearts that God is telling us that is wrong, we say, but I'm not so sure. Yeah, you could kind of see that different ways. You know in your heart, that's giving the devil an opportunity. So there's your verse, amen? <laughs> if you're not sure next time, go to Ephesians 4. I'll give you another one here in just a minute. Why is this so important? Whether it's anger and by the way, that's the foothold he's talking about here. Whether it's anger, whether it's an immoral relationship, whether it's stealing money. You know what? You guys look pretty nice. And I, I think I look pretty nice. I mean, like a nice person. That's what I mean about both of us. <laughs> we look like nice people. So I'm not thinking there's a bunch of crooks out there. I'm not thinking there's a bunch of lying, thieving uh, adulterers out there. But you know what? I don't think we start that way. But you know what I found out? Sin takes us a lot farther than we wanted to go. We, we just, we're just experimenting. We're just, you know, we're kind of fascinated with things. We're kind of dabbling. But at some point, fascination becomes participation. And that's what we're going to talk about later in Ephesians chapter 5. I want to give you that other verse, though, that I mentioned. 1 Thessalonians 5.22 is another verse that's helped me in my Christian wall. It says, abstain from every form of evil. You can translate, abstain from all appearance of evil. I'll spit that out. So many Christians 
are dabbling with danger. It could be anger, it could be lust, it could be lying, it could be alcohol. Whatever it is, you're getting more and more used to it. And I want to ask you, is the enemy singing your lullaby? Is he lulling you to sleep? As a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to challenge you to stay away from the enemy. I want to challenge you not to try to see how close you can get to a rattlesnake without getting bit. I want to challenge you to stay away as far as you possibly can, even from the appearance of evil, of things that are wrong. I want to encourage you to be squeaky clean. Now, I'm not saying be perfect. In fact, if you're here, there's some people, you talk about these kind of things, well, you're just saying I'm not going to be perfect. You think everybody's going to be perfect. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just going to come back. I'm going to push back a little bit more. I think you're being a cop-out. I think many times people are just copping out by saying, I don't want to do that. You know what? The reality is, if you know Jesus Christ, you know you don't have to be perfect. The reality is, He's perfect. He's already paid the price. If I never get anything right ever again, I am released. Amen? Jesus Christ has paid the price. I don't feel any pressure to be anybody, to do anything. I mean, sometimes we struggle with that. but, But ultimately, I know that I am complete in Him. If you know Christ, you know that too. So let's don't cop out with that language. If you know Jesus... Don't you desire to go farther with Him? Do you want to give the enemy one single iota of victory ever again in your life? Never. He's had enough in my life. Amen? How about you? I'm challenging you to make God's way the goal of your life. Listen, think about like a watchman on the wall. A watchman on the wall doesn't wait till there's a breakthrough and sounds the alarm. A watchman on the wall sees it coming down the road, doesn't he? Hey, guys, here it comes. That's what I want to be for my family. Amen? That's what I want to be for my church. That's what I want to be in my life. God, I see it coming. Let's deal with it right now. Amen? Just as soon as it pops up, let's deal with it before it ever breaks down my doors. Another way the Bible puts it, James chapter 1, verse 14. This is a great principle to think about. The Bible puts it in the book of James like this. It basically says to not give the enemy any ammunition. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but in James 1.14 it says, But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lusts. Have you ever read that? The Bible says that the enemy can only tempt us to the degree that we give him some ammunition to work with. So here we are, you know, and you may have heard me say this before, if I don't like chocolate chip cookies, you can bake all you want, put them on the table, it's not going to, I'm not going to be struggling. I don't like those, right? But if there is something in me that wants that, I'm going to be struggling. (laughs) Oh, man, I'd like to have one of those cookies. I picture it like a bomber pilot in maybe World War I or II. They're flying over. You know, if that submarine pops up and shows his periscope, you may not be able to tell exactly where he is, but you've got a lot better idea of his location, right? He's exposed himself. He begins to... Raise himself up a little bit above the surface. Oh, now it's like battleship. We thought he might be going this way because we saw the periscope. No, he's going this way. A lot more ammunition. But if I stay under the water, if I stay under Christ, then he's got a lot less to work with. So when you begin to think about that, you begin to see yourself as not controlled by the enemy. Don't we many times just think, I'm just helpless. You know what? If I allow Jesus Christ in a proactive way to take off my old clothes, I don't have to worry about the enemy's garbage as much anymore. 
So would you begin to think about that? Don't give the enemy opportunity. Are you tired of being defeated? Are you tired of getting blindsided with knockout punches? Listen, friends, this is not advanced course Christianity. This is the way of Christ. Did you hear that? Giving him control of my life is not the like the expert version. It's not for all the, 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 the best of the people. This is the way of Jesus. The way of Christ. This is the way to experience victory in my life. Nothing held back. Many Christians are wondering why they're not experiencing victory in their life. It's because they've got idols in their tent. You ever read those Old Testament stories? There's some idols in your tent. There's some things that you have not let Jesus have control over. So many Christians are frustrated. And you know what happens many times? They think, well, I came to New Hope. I read my Bible. Something didn't happen right. And so they're looking for secrets. I find a lot of Christians are looking for secrets. There's secrets, aren't there? This isn't doing it. There must be some other secret. That's how people get involved with culture. That's how people get led astray into, into things that take them in different directions. You know what Jesus says? I'll tell you a secret. Here's the secret. Stop lying. Tell the truth. It'll really help your life. He says, watch your anger. You know that little thing that happens a lot, like four times a day? That might kind of help things a little bit. You let me take charge of that. You know what Jesus says? Here's a secret. Don't let the enemy have one single foothold in your life. Don't be comfortable with any influence that the enemy might give you. Then... You'll know the secret. You'll begin living that new life. You know what Jesus says? Now wait just a minute. Just like Sharon shared, 20 years ago, you said you were going to follow me. Whenever yours was, if you're a Christian, some time ago, last week, 25 years ago, you said you were going to follow Christ. Okay, here's where he's going. Are you going to follow him? If I'm a follower of Christ, I'm going to demonstrate that by following where he leads. If you're not a follower of Christ, then you can start that today. You can start that trust walk with Him today. You can start by saying, Jesus, I do lie. Jesus, I do have an anger problem. Jesus, I can't control this fire that has been put in my life. There's, there's, there's something in your life that you know the enemy is using in your life and you know you don't have the control to take the ammunition away. You need God to do the battle for you. My friend, there's no need in spending one more day of your life battling. Jesus Christ has won not only the battle, He has won the war for you. It is done. It is finished. It is just waiting for you to receive it. Amen, Amen, friends? And don't hear me saying Sunday school answers. Is it easy following Jesus? No, you know why? Because I'm a knucklehead. I'm hard-headed. I like, I like, I like, <laughs> Shannon throws away old t-shirts, what I do, dig them out of the garbage, right? I like the old stuff. I'm used to that. That was my habit. It is challenging for me. But more and more as I walk with Jesus, I experience that new life. As I allow Him to change my life. For some of you this morning, you're looking for a secret. It's very simple. Right here in black and white. Stop doing this. Start doing that. Wait just a minute with God's help.
That's another trick of the enemy. You're going to leave here today thinking that you've got to live this life, and that's a lie. You've got to allow Christ to live it through you. And he's just showing you what ought to be seen if he was working today. Will you allow him to do that today? He's done it all for us, hasn't he? He paid the price. He said, I'll do all the work. <laughs> just let me. And that's our struggle today. If you would be willing to surrender your will to God's, if you would be willing to say, yes, Jesus, I will give you control of my life. I will trust that you can make this kind of person out of me. Then God is willing to do that in your life today. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Just like when the guys played that special music during the offering a little while ago. We, we have a time in our service when people have heard, hopefully, from God and now we have an opportunity to respond to God. To process what He said to our hearts today. If Jesus Christ has spoken to you by His Spirit through His Word today, then would you respond? It could be very simple. I don't like to think about myself this way, but the reality is you might say, I'm a liar. <laughs> I, have a, I have a chronic trouble with telling the truth. And I need God's help. Maybe you would just say, you know what? I have an anger problem. I am mad about some things. And I need God to just pull back those layers. I need God to un unwrap that somehow. It's even so deep. I don't even know all the sources of it, but I'm just angry. I'm bitter. It's been there for years. And that's where you need to start today. Maybe some of us today, we're kidding ourselves into thinking our house is locked, our door is locked, but we've actually let the enemy have a foothold. He's got his foot in the crack of the door. Would that bother you today? And would you say, nope, I want God to come in and install that deadbolt right now. No more. Friend, today, if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, all of those might be symptoms of a larger issue. The larger issue is Jesus Christ wants to wash your sins away. He wants to live in your heart and be your Savior. He wants you to know you're going to heaven one day, but you're going to have to trust Him. Would you call out to Him today and just say, Jesus, I do believe I trust in you. That's what the word believe means. It doesn't just mean facts. I know the facts. It means I put my trust in him. I put my trust in you today, Jesus. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I want to live for you. Would you help me today?